This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. On this Sunday edition of the Larry Hardesty Show, thank you for dropping by. Sharing a couple of hours with us at 1-800-919-3776. Also hit us up on Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPNNY 98 underscore 7 FM. Jet fans, it's here. Football fans, it's here. Training camp begins next week. The Jets open up at one Jets drive. Ritzamini will be there again for his, well, I'll let him tell you how many consecutive years he's done it as he joins us here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Rich. Larry, that time of the year again. Thanks for having me. What year is this for you covering the team? Uh, yeah, I think this will be my 35th training camp. Wow. So uh, 35 consecutive years. Um, I've kind of tried to stop counting, but uh, that's where we are. And, <laughs> This one feels different, though. You know, it, it definitely has a different feel to it, and I'm looking forward to it. It really does, right, Rich? But we got to start, and we got so much to talk to you about, so let's get started. We'll start with Hard Knocks. Now, you and I were there for part one of Hard Knocks uh, when they were up in Cortland. What what stuck out about that, uh, you know, the way Hard Knocks produced things, other than the fact that they had to do two, there was a clean version and a non-clean version <laughs> for language <laughs> that I'm sure HBO never, well, didn't have to worry about that anymore. But what stood out about what Hard Knocks did and the type of things they they were able to do to show what went on behind the scenes with the Jets the first time? Yeah, I mean, I, I think to this day, as as a matter of fact, I think that is the most watched Hard Knocks Ever, I think it was averaging about 4 million uh, viewers per episode. And I, I think that still stands as a record. You know, the Jets were just the perfect hard knocks team that year. They had a coach in Rex Ryan who was, you know, completely outspoken and, you know, at times outrageous and unfiltered. And they had a great news storyline built in that summer with the Darrell Revis holdout, which, of course, culminated on the final episode of Hard Knocks. And just a lot of good personalities on that team. You know, a young quarterback and Mark Sanchez and and a very uh, – uh, another outspoken, colorful coach and Mike Westoff. And mm. so it really was like the perfect storm for the Jets. And you talk to – and I've talked to guys over the years on that team, front office people like Mike Tannenbaum, and they all said it was a positive experience. And they embraced the spotlight. It obviously did not affect that team, which went on to reach the uh, AFC championship game. And so I, I don't, I understand where Robert Sala is coming from. I think from a coaching standpoint, you don't want to have that sort of invasive entity in your building. But I think from a fan's perspective, from a, you know, a journalistic perspective, I think it's great. I mean, I think that, will break records for the most watch hard knocks ever because of the Aaron Rodgers factor and just how much attention is surrounding this team. So I'm all for it. It means extra work for me because I'll probably have to write weekly updates on each episode, but that's okay. I, I think it'll be great for the Jets and great for the average football fan. All right. So Ritz, let's compare it a little bit to what we can expect this time, because I, Here's where there's similarities in the sense it's really centered around Aaron Rodgers. Because let's be honest, Rich, if Aaron Rodgers right. wasn't here, they wouldn't be doing hard knocks with the Jets. They'd be finding somebody else. So that's the similar. The, the interesting part here, though, I guess if I'm Robert Sala, I'm not coming off. Rex even Rex had a playoff appearance, even though he 
thought he wasn't in the playoffs <laughs> at one right. point that year, but he, but he was in the playoffs. You know, Salas coming off a situation, Rich, where let's be honest, if this team, if these things don't work out, he's going to be looking for a job. So it, it, in that sense, it's a little different, and it's a younger team too, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously not younger at the quarterback position, but, uh, you know, in some areas, yes. And so that's a really good point, Larry. This team is, even though they do have enormous expectations, they really have no track record. You know, they this team has not done it before. And so they're built to win now, much like that 2010 team was. That 2010 team was really, like you said, a lot of savvy vets on that team, like LaDainian Tomlinson and Jason Taylor and the Damian Woodies of the world and, and Nick Mangold. You know, the guys were around. They had playoff experience. This is essentially a new team that's trying to build off something that happened, you know, early to mid last year. You know, we won't count the last, the last six games, what <laughs> happened last year. They want to forget about that. But, uh, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. And the one thing that you have to point out, though, the Jets have editorial control over what gets on the air. So they're not going to show something in a team meeting that reveals, you know, strategy or, you know, something, uh, a delicate matter involving a personnel decision. The Jets will, will edit that out. I mean, the Jets are not going to let stuff like that get on the air. So that, well, let's clear that up right away. No secrets are going to be, you know, out there on uh, on hard knocks that the Jets don't want out there. But it could create some awkward moments, you know, Aaron Rodgers maybe in, in a team meeting and so forth. So there's a, definitely a fine line. I mean, the Jets don't want to come off as a boring team and cut all the good stuff out. They don't want to do that because they're cutting off their nose to spite their face. So they want to let some good stuff get in, but yet they don't want to cross the line and, and be too revealing if that makes sense. Rich is my guest. You're listening to the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. Rich, is the, is the Jets' backup quarterback, the, the backup quarterback in case something goes down with Aaron Rodgers, is he on this team right now? Oh, yeah, he's on the team. He's, he wears number two. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think everyone knows who that is. Yeah, there's no there's no issue with the backup quarterback. Um, now fans may have a different perspective and the matter <laughs> and the amount of confidence they have in Zach Wilson, but from an organizational perspective, he's their number two. He's not going anywhere this year. Um, you know, obviously he'll be the caddy for Aaron Rodgers. They have Tim Boyle as well. Uh, some people might try to make a competition out of that between Wilson and Boyle. I think I think Zach Wilson is entrenched as the number two quarterback. He'll get a lot of reps. I mean, I would be surprised if Rodgers plays at all in the preseason. He has not played a preseason game since, I think, 2018. And even that was just about five snaps. So it's going to be the uh, Zach Wilson show this summer in terms of preseason. He needs all the reps he can get. You know, you'll see a lot of Tim Boyle as well. And Chris Kremlin is also on the roster. But, yeah, Larry, I mean, I, I, I'm sensitive. I'm sensing that your confidence is wavering in Wilson as the backup, and I, I get that because he really didn't show anything last year as the starter that would make you say, you know, we have a lot of faith in this guy. But, you know, just because of what they've invested in him, the time and the money, they're going to see this thing through. They still think he has a future with the organization. Rich, I, I asked that question for the many calls that I take that say he can't be the backup because if, if something goes wrong with Aaron Rodgers, they, the fans have no – 
you know, confidence that he can handle that. So I'm, I'm, I understand what the Jets have to do. And listen, they have to find out what, what he is because if he's not able to do something with this team, they got to be able to at least showcase something with him. Rich said if they want to move on from him, they can do that. Yeah, I, I think his future will be a, a big storyline next offseason, you know, when he has only one year left on his contract because, I've, you know, I can't see the Jets picking up the 50-year option. So at that point, I think the Jets will have to make a, a, a really hard you know, decision, sit down and evaluate whether they want to keep uh, Zach Wilson. I'm a, and that's based on the assumption that Rodgers plays two years. Uh, he has not said that publicly, Rodgers. I think that the Jets are hopeful that it will be two years, and they have to make a decision. Maybe they could trade Zach Wilson next offseason, you know, for something, you know, in the middle rounds. Certainly nothing what they invested in him. But that will be a very, very uh, legitimate storyline after this year. But for now, he's on the team. They're going to ch- continue to try to develop him. They're hoping that the change in offensive coordinators will be a big help to uh, to Zach Wilson. I think they're hoping that, you know, Paul, you know, I'll keep calling him Paul Hackett. You know, that shows you my age. But Nathaniel <laughs> Hackett uh, is a real player-friendly coach. I think at times, you know, Wilson and Michael Floor maybe – it was a little bit of a, you know, they chafed at times with each other. So they're hoping this is much smoother. That's because you wrote a lot of articles about Paul Hackett. <laughs> That's why it I did. We're going you. back like 20 years, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, sorry, force of habit there. <laughs> no doubt about that. Rich, I would think other than, than uh, what happens to the quarterback, the biggest focus of this Jet uh, training camp is going to be the play of the offensive line. Uh, what you can expect, what Makai Becton's able to do, what happens with this old line, what happens to the left tackle, does Vieira uh, Tucker, is, is he able to come back? I mean, give me your thought process on this offensive line as you go into training camp this week. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously the biggest question on the team. I think Dwayne Brown is going to be in the left tackle. Uh, I, I really don't even see much of a competition there. I mean, I know Makai Becton has stated publicly that he wants to play left tackle. Um, he, if he is playing left tackle, I think it'll be as Dwayne Brown's backup. Uh, the mm-hmm. coaching staff is just has a really strong affinity for Dwayne Brown and what he's done for the team over the course of a year playing hurt. Uh, he's coming off surgery. You know, he had rotator cuff surgery. I'm not 100% sure that he'll be practicing when they open camp. Uh, it's possible he's on the pup list, but the, the expectation is that he will be practicing in due time. And so barring a setback with that injury, I think – Dwayne Brown will be their opening day left tackle. Now, what happens to Makai Becton? Uh, that's one of the big questions in training camp. Uh, I think Makai, you know, if he wants to play, will have to just get his mind fixed on being the right tackle. And, you know, I think he would have to win that job. The Jets are not going to hand Makai Becton anything. The guy's basically missed two straight years. And kudos to him for losing about 50 pounds this offseason. So that's great. But they're not going to hand him anything. He's going to have to go in there and show that he's better than Max Mitchell and Billy Turner to win that right tackle job. So it'll be very interesting to see where they line up on day one. And, of course, to me, a really fascinating battle. We don't even know who the center is going to be. Mm. Uh, Connor McGovern, the incumbent, is back. But this organization clearly is ready to move on from him as their starter. They drafted Joe Tipman in the second round for a reason. I think it's Kitman's job to win if he comes in and proves he can handle it from a mental standpoint. And he has a good rapport with Aaron Rodgers. 
then I think Joe Tippman will be the opening day starter at center. So uh, a lot of a lot of fluctuate, a lot of fluid situations on that offensive line, and that's not the ideal situation. Uh, that's usually the one area you want to have solidified going into camp, so you could build some chemistry and continuity. But uh, the Jets will be uh, have some moving parts there as they get going uh, this week. A couple more thoughts on the offense before we move to the defensive side of the ball, Rich. A lot of receivers on this team, right? A lot of receivers, a lot of tight ends. Uh, This is going to be interesting to see how they're able to maneuver and who moves in what spots. I I mean, obviously you figure that the guys at Lazard and Cobb are going to be available. You know, they they have experience with – you know, with uh, Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, you know, a player like McCall Hartman Jr. that was uh, obtained, you know, you, you've got uh, some other receivers here. Obviously, Garrett Wilson was phenomenal. You got tight ends here, Rich, at the time when, how many stories did you write about, boy, the Jets could use a tight end? Now it seems like they have a hundred of them. Yeah, they have <laughs> some good competition uh, at tight end. So I think Conklin will be the starter again. And, um, you know, Uzama and Rucker will probably be battling for some playing time at the number two. I think, uh, you know, receiver is very, very interesting. Uh, I think Corey Davis is a player to watch. He's getting paid like a starter at $11 million in change as a cap number. Um, that's a, you know, you don't keep a guy with $11 million unless he's a starter. So I, unless they – you know, adjust his contract or get rid of him outright, I think he'll be playing a significant role for the Jets. And I think Randall Cobb is a guy who also will have a significant role. He's not here just to, you know, make Aaron Rodgers feel comfortable. You know, he's doing more than that. He's going to be a player. He's like, he's their really their only true natural slot receiver. So if he's healthy, and that's been an issue for Cobb in the last couple of years. But if he's healthy, he's going to be playing a lot in the slot. Wilson's playing a lot. He's the number one receiver. We know that. Lazard's going to be playing a lot. So it'll be a very interesting rotation that they have. I do not believe Denzel Mims will be on the team. I can't see how he cracks this receiver uh, rotation. You, you also want to have a young receiver. They had some young guys like uh, Brownlee and, so, uh, the, the kid from, uh, you know, name is escaping me, Erwin Charles, uh, who showed some stuff last year on the practice squad. You know, he's a guy who could stick as the number six receiver. So I, I don't see Denzel Mims in the picture this year. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, last thing, Rich, on the offense, running back. Obviously, listen, uh, Zonovan Knight showed, Bam Knight showed you something. Michael Carter was kind of a disappointment uh, last year. Uh, about the Conda they they had picked up in the in the draft this year. Brees Hall, obviously, what will he bring to the table? What what do you think the Jets need to see from Brees Hall before they maybe look and just sniff around to see if Dalvin Cook is still available and maybe they add him? Well, there is mutual interest in Dalvin Cook, and, and, and that's based on uh, my late information. You know, they they're kind of monitoring that situation. And Cook, I think he's going to wait until uh, this franchise tag plays out tomorrow. I mean, you just saw Joe Mixon from the Bengals take a pay cut. Now he's making a little under $6 million this year. The running market, as everybody knows, has just been so devalued in recent years. Saquon Barkley can attest to that. Um, so I think they need to see, you know, how Brees Hall looks when he comes in. I, I suspect he'll be on the PUP list to start. 
I don't think he'll do much at all in training camp. Everything is geared toward week one. The Jets expect him to be ready for week one. I think we saw Brees Hall come out the other day in an interview saying he expects to be ready for week one. So uh, they have to get comfortable. I, I think they expect Michael Carter to have a bounce back year. You're right, Larry. He had a really disappointing year last year. They're hopeful that he can bounce back you know, with a, uh, with a better offensive line play. Last year's line got so banged up and so reshuffled toward the middle and back end of the year that I think the running back's performances were affected. And so Abadakana is a guy they're very high on. He's got the kind of home run speed that Brees Hall has. So I think they're curious to see him. So I think the Dalvin Cook thing is, I think it's obviously money is always the number one factor. And also I think they want to get a look at what they have. Teams always like to see what they have in players. So maybe, you know, a week into training camp, the Jets have to make a decision and assess where they are at running back and then decide how much they would want to pursue with Dalvin Cook. But right now I think they're, you know, they have like an arm's length interest in him and just seeing how it goes. Obviously, he hasn't gotten any great offers from anyone. Otherwise, he would have been signed. But that'll be another very, very interesting situation to see how it plays out in the early days of training camp. Uh, Rich, two more for you, just on the defensive side. The obvious one, how important was it to get Quinton Williams done uh, before training camp? Enormous for for a lot of reasons. One, uh, he deserved it. You know, he, he played. He's one of the best defensive tackles in the league. Now he's being paid like it. He is the second in uh, average annual uh, value at $24 million a year. Uh, secondly, it's a big statement for this organization, you know, which has had trouble keeping their top players over the years. Uh, and they've uh, an organization that has, quite frankly, alienated some of their top players over the years. So he becomes the first draft pick uh, under Joe Douglas to get a multi-year extension. So that's that's good. That's the start of perhaps a new trend. And then for Quinn's sake, I think it was very, very important to get him into on in camp, on time, focused, not having to worry about the contract because the real reason, the big reason, you asked the coaches this, the reason he was so much better last year than the previous year was because he had a full training camp. Mm. You remember two years ago, he was coming off that broken foot. He had surgery. He was limited in training camp. And I think that affected him for the entire year. Quinn's the kind of guy who needs to be on the field, who needs to get the reps, who needs to work himself into shape. And that's why he was so dominant last year, because he had that full camp. So now you can have that full camp. I think if this contract thing had been lingering on, you know, you might have had a hold-in situation. We've seen that with players. Uh, now you don't have to worry about that. He's healthy. He's ready to go. And so that perhaps is the biggest reason why it was important to get that deal done so quickly. Last thing, biggest thing you're looking for defensively on this team, is it during training camp, is it the secondary at the safety position? Is it corner or is it linebacker or defensive front? What, what's the biggest thing you're looking for? Well, I'm not corner. I mean, we know I mean, the Jets, I mean, they can roll out their three top three corners with anybody in the league with uh, Gardner, Reed, and Carter. Uh, no worries there. I mean, those three are etched in stone. Safety, very interesting. Obviously, we all know Chuck Clark out for the year with the ACL. Just a really unfortunate situation there. So they go and sign Adrian Amos. Um, you know, he's coming off kind of a mediocre year. I think he's been better in the past. 
Tony Adams is a keep a guy to keep an eye on. You know, made the team last year as an undrafted rookie. Uh, he has the best range of any of their safeties. So I would keep an eye on him as perhaps starting alongside Jordan Whitehead. You'll have real good competition there. There'll be competition for the third linebacker spot. Right now, Quan Alexander is still a free agent. Jamie and Sherwood is the uh, favorite going in to win that third spot unless they reach back and bring back Quan Alexander. But uh, And so on the defensive line, which I think the most interesting spot is that second defensive tackle, the guy who lines up alongside Quinn Williams. Is it going to be Woods, Jefferson? Uh, they re-signed... Um, you know, a couple, they let Nathan Shepard go. They let Rankins go. So that spot is really up in the air. You know, they re-signed Solomon Thomas. So uh, very much up in the air. I think you're going to see a little bit of a committee approach there at that second spot. Woods is good against the run. Jefferson's more of a pass rusher. So I think you could see a platoon at that second spot. I'm also really eager to see Will McDonald, their number mm. one pick. Did not get a lot of fancier fair and OTAs because it was overshadowed like everyone else by Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, he has not signed, by the way. The Jets still have not signed their top two picks. I don't think that'll be much of an issue over the next few days. But Will McDonald was a surprise pick, undersized guy, really good athlete, really curious to see what he can do once the pads go on. Rich Amini is always a great follow at Rich Amini on Twitter and also on ESPN.com. Rich. And uh, take a breather. It's going to be a long training camp, my friend. We'll talk soon. <laughs> All right, Larry. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right, take care. That's Rich Samini. We'll get your thoughts next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, get ready to tee them high and let them fly at the ESPN New York Tee It Up Golf Challenge presented by Jake's 58 Casino Hotel on Tuesday, July 25th at Windwatch Golf and Country Club in Hop Hog, Long Island, where 60 teams will compete for great prizes and bragging rights. Purchase your twosome today at ESPNNewYork.com and join Rick DiPietro, Dave Rothenberg, Bart Scott, Alan Hahn, and other special guests. All proceeds benefit the Garden of Dreams Foundation. Individual tickets for cocktails and dinner are also available. It's the ESPN New York Tee It Up Golf Challenge presented by Jake's 58 Casino Hotel and brought to you by Don Julio Tequila, Keller One Vodka, Aviation American Gin, and Juggernaut Wines. Learn more at ESPNNewYorkGolf.com. 1-800-919-3776. Hardesty on the Sunday. Getting your thoughts, Jet fans, on what you heard from Rich Samini. Let's go to Ira in Staten Island. Ira, you're next on 98.7. Good afternoon, Larry, and always a pleasure to hear you and Rich talk, and I can't believe it's that time of the year. It's amazing, right? Unbelievable. I it, It's time to it gets shorter and shorter. And then, of course, with them being in the Hall of Fame game, it's even quicker. I know. I mean, if you want to even call out a game, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, that whole thing is ridiculous. But, um, you know, it's funny. With, with all the breakdowns that you have, and, and Rich brought up some real good points about the center position, Listen, Kitman, you know, physically is, of course, the more gifted player. But if it's a close call, or even if it's like a 60-40 going to Kitman, let's not kid ourselves. This is going to be Rodgers' call, not Douglas Asala. Mm. Whoever Rodgers is more comfortable with opening day, week one against the Bills, that's who's going to be on the center. You know, I'm hoping it's going to be Kitman. But if he feels that he needs a veteran in front of him, it's going to be McGovern. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I agree with you, Ira, in this sense. he doesn't. It's not where you've got a young quarterback where you need your offensive lineman to point out 
certain things in the coverage. I mean, Rodgers has seen just about everything four or five times. So you could side with the idea of having a younger center if he is indeed more talented because of that fact. That situation is taken out of it. Uh, maybe from an offensive line standpoint, listen, you got a veteran over there who can make the calls. Doesn't always have to be the center to make the line calls on the O-line. Well, well that, that's, that's a really good point. And on the defensive side of, well, the McDonald's, uh, to me, this that's the most interest I have. Um, and it's going to be hard to see. Huh? Training camp is not the way it used to be. So you might even have to wait for the first four games to really get some type of feel about this kid. So um, I think at best he'll probably be a situational pass rusher early on um, because, you know, the weight, learning, you know, in the NFL. Um, I just hope – I hope he's – develops into a pass rusher for next year and he's not going to be like an Aaron Maven like a, you know Ooh. he's too light for that yeah. you know what I'm going yeah. so uh it'll be interesting so to me it's the center and McDonald's and besides that I think the roster is pretty much complete I'm a little concerned Aaron thanks for the phone call at that safety position I'm a little concerned because losing Clark was big I mean, the veteran guy helps, help, you know, helps motivate, helps get the young guys back there. Even the, the young corners helps get them squared away, even though G, DJ Reed was phenomenal last year. And, and he, listen, he will be, he was great last year. He can only continue to be great, and, you know, but that, that injury at the safety is going to make a difference. It, it really is. Hopefully they can get over that. And you're right with, with the rookie, but here's the thing, situational, as much as Salah rotates his guys, he, he could still have an impact being a situational guy this year. He doesn't have to be the full-time guy. He, he's going to get, he's gonna get some, some spots. And the other thing I would be curious to see, aside from that, is what is his coverage ability? Can you fake him and then drop him into coverage a little bit, maybe to deal with a tight end or something like that? We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. With the offense we have right now, I think we have an answer for everything. You know, um, if you want to, if you don't want to load the box, Aaron's fine with handing me off the ball all day. If you do, you know, we got the RPOs, we got him to take shots. Um, and we have the receivers that are going to, you know, make plays for us as well. And if the offense is struggling, we have the backbone, which is our defense to rely on. So we're excited for that, for sure. That's Brees Hall talking to NFL Films about the New York Jets offense. It's the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. Let's head back to you on the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Scott is in Edison. Scott, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. Listen, good stuff from you and Samini as always. I want to touch base on both sides of the trenches real quick. I'll start with the D-line. I'm mm-hmm. glad you brought up the point with the D-line rotation with, uh, with Ira. Something I want to talk about that no one has been mentioning all offseason is Jermaine Johnson. Hmm. Now, don't get me wrong, I loved him coming out of, of Florida State. Um, but I need, to, I need to see him really break out this season. And I, I don't know if it's going to happen because of how much of a deep rotation that they have. But, you know, for a first-round pick, I mean, he I'll use the term that Salah says. He has to be all gas, no breaks this season hmm. for a first-round pick. And... The second point I want to bring up is the O-line. And you're 100% accurate with the fact that Beckton, he's not going to be handed anything. And the, and the one name I'll, I'll bring up that no one's talking about is the fourth-round pick Warner from Pitt. Now, he was injured his last year in college, but he was projected to be a second-round pick going into his last year in college. 
and 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 Max Mitchell, he showed some promise before the the blood clots, you know. Mm-hmm. And they just signed Billy Turner. So just want to hear hear your thoughts on those two points. All right, Scott, thanks for the phone call. Look, uh Jermaine Johnson gave you gave you some hope, right? Uh what was his numbers? Uh 18 tackles, uh, 18 solo tackles, 11 assists, two and a half sacks. He made an imp- he made an impact, and he's going to get even more opportunity. Even though there is a rotation in Robert Sala's defensive front, there's two guys that are not there who were there heavily into the rotation, as Samini mentioned. So he has an opportunity if he flashes to get more playing time up front. Here's what we know. With all the pub, with all the publicity about Aaron Rodgers and Gary Wilson and the offense, Brees Hall, will they get Dalvin Cook? Uh, you know, Lazard and, and Cobb, former members of you know the Packers. All we know the tight ends. All we know about the Jet offense. Here's the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen: the identity of just of this Jet team is their defense. Let's make no mistake about it. It's the reason that Joe Douglas has told us that that's why Aaron Rodgers wanted to come here because of the defense. And statistically, they were pretty good defensively last year. What, top five on average? Pretty good, pretty good. Were they a a Super Bowl defense? Not to me. When I think Super Bowl defense, I think Frisco. I think there's a couple of other teams that jump out at me. But nevertheless, uh it's their defense that that is the signature and really Aaron Rodgers, his ability to put points on the board and jet fans to have finally a, a, a really good competent quarterback is, is, is been the main story, but the bottom line, the focus, the identity of this jet team, don't forget is their defense. Uh, as far as the offensive line is concerned, listen, Makai Becton, he can't dictate anything. He's got to prove he can stay on the field. I mean, can, can can we get a can we get can we get ten games out of him? Can we get twelve games out of him? I mean, he's got to show you that he can stay on the field for us. That that's the major thing with him, okay? And if he can prove that, then you know, then we'll take that next step. But no, whoever is is a is a backup, and clearly with the amount of injury that they had on that on that offensive line last year, everybody's in play to play everybody. So. Uh, you have to be ready because that team, the offensive line is the biggest question mark on this Jet team this season by far, by far. Jose's in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose? Hey, good afternoon, Larry. Shout out to the company. I definitely wanted to get some Jet talk in. So glad that football is starting. We no longer have to hear about analytics ruining people's baseball careers and everything and trying to tell me that a weak single is somehow worse than a strikeout. I I, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing with that, Larry. Larry. So I'm hoping if Aaron Boone was the guy that stood stood up to Brian Cashman and said, yo, your analytics suck and I'm going to hire Sean Casey, I'm all for it now. He's won the over. But, you know, talking about my Jets here, um, I'm really hoping, you know, that this is going to turn out to be well because I'm starting to not, like, fully drink the cold Kool-Aid and and be like Gordon and say we're going 15-2, and which, you know, we all know he's trolling. (laughs) But um, 
I'm starting to feel like we can. The division is definitely up for grabs, and I don't see why not. Like, I think that the team, with how the team is set up defensively, do we have a question at safety? I think we do. But I think with the way the team is set up and constructed right now, I think the defense can possibly take that step where they're just not a top five defense. They're actually a Super Bowl winning defense. And, but w- hey, when we got Aaron Rodgers, this was supposed to be the guy that was supposed to be a force multiplier for everybody. And with the weapons we have with C.J. Conklin, at, just from the tight ends perspective, and then what we have on the outside and with the running backs that we have, and possibly picking up another one. Why? Why? Uh, why not? You know, think big and think that this is not Super Bowl or bust. <laughs> yeah, I hear what you're saying, Jose. Look on paper, and thanks for the phone call. On paper, it looks fabulous. It does. It looks like this is a team that can really hold its own against a lot of teams in the National Football League. All right, there's no question. Uh, the what is going to be the question is obviously health. That is the the, the great equalizer, and always has been. Uh, is it how can you stay keep your top players healthy, and what is the condition and what's the talent level of the players who are your backups? Right. That that's the question. How good are the backups? Because you're only as good as your weakest guy. You're only as good as your weakest guy. So in theory, you know, you've got a lot of of positive things there. But the question is going to be, how do they deal with, you know, adjustments? How do they deal with the added expectations that's going on? You have a mixture. You've got some veterans, but you've got some young kids on here as well. And so how are they going to deal with it? I heard Bart Scott during the week talk about his concern about hard knocks was how do the young players deal with it? How do they handle it? You know, whereas in 2010, you know, as Rich and I were talking about earlier, that was a better, largely veteran team. Okay. Sanchez was a rookie, but that was, that was really a, a second year player, but that was really a veteran team for the most part. All right. So they understood, they embraced it. They knew how to handle it and they loved it. All right, but you got some young players. So from Bart Scott, who was in that locker room at that time, that was his a little concern about how that's going to deal with. But, you know, once again, um, in the decade plus that since the last time they've been there, younger players are more savvy about social media, right? Younger players are more savvy about having cameras in front of them and, and so on and so forth. So I think they'll be okay. The bottom line here is, the younger players are not the focus of this. Aaron Rodgers is the focus of this hard knocks. If he was not here, they wouldn't be looking for the Jets to be doing the hard knocks. I mean, come on. Really? Let's be honest. <laughs> they wouldn't be. This is about Aaron Rodgers. Very plain and simple. That's why they're here, and that's why they want to see it. And so it's going to be interesting to see how the Jets embrace it. But for the most part, I'm just ready to see them get on the field. We've done enough talking. We've done enough analyzing. We've been trying to figure this stuff out. You know, I just I'm ready to see what they bring to the table, what they can do, how the weapons are used. And the biggest thing for me for this Jet team this year is how the coaching staff handles adversity. How will they deal with it? A lot of pressure on this coaching staff, a lot of pressure on Hackett. 
Okay? Even though he's got Aaron Rodgers, a lot of pressure on Hackett, a lot of pressure on Salah, and the defense, a lot of pressure on this team. How will they produce? We'll get your thoughts next on 9870 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Logic and just talking to a very educated person when it comes to the Giants and comes to these situations tells me that this is all posturing. At the end of the day, Saquon will be a Giant, and the Giants will probably give him a little bit more to get it done, and Saquon is not going to hold out. And the reason I say the Giants might give a little bit more is because they want to be in a relationship with Saquon. How can so they not? They don't want to make it seem like they beat the kid up. They don't want to stand over his dead carcass and go, we won. So I could see them maybe giving a little bit at the end of the day just to make it seem like his threat was real, to make him happy. This is all going to get done. I am as confident about this as I was Aaron Rodgers being a Jet. Wow. Don LaGreca on the Michael K Show this week. Here on 9870 ESPN, hardest thing on a Sunday. And I agree with Don. I think it will get done. Now, what's made this really interesting, and we've had this discussion over and over again here, and I want to hear from the Giant fans at 1 800 919 3776 as we get to tomorrow with already running backs cutting, taking a pay cut, and, you know, the position that he's playing and the fact that. It's the it's not the, the, the money, it's the guaranteed money that is the question here. Are you really do you expect that this will get done tomorrow and he will be in training camp? Or do you think this is a situation where you're gonna be looking at him hoping he gets there in time for Dallas? Now, the reason why I think it will get done is because for me, and I've been kind of consistent with this, I think John Mara is gonna step in and say pay him. He's a guy that we love. He's one of our family. He's been a big part of what we do. He was outstanding for them last year. He is part of the reason that Daniel Jones got the contract that he got at the end of the season because Saquon Barkley, for a large part of the season, was the Giants offense. To be honest, he was. He ran it. He caught it. He, he, he blocked, picked up blitzes. He did whatever he needed to do. And yes, Daniel Jones ran for his life on a number of occasions and had some RPOs as well that he was successful with. So there's no question as to why Saquon Barkley deserves this money. He's a running back. It's going to be hard to get. We get it. We understand it. We do. Okay? We understand that's the way the league is right now. That's the way it is. But he deserves his money. Is it a two-year deal? Is it a three-year deal? I don't know. I've seen, I've seen comments with it on both sides. Jordan Runon, who's been all over this for us here at ESPN, was on the Ty Butler show, and he gives us the latest on Saquon Barkley. I probably came into this week thinking, uh, you know, deep down that I thought they were more likely to sign an extension than not. And as this week has gone along and as I've talked to people from both sides, you come to the realization, you know what? It's probably more likely they don't, you know, sign an extension at this point than they do. I mean, I, they need to make significant progress here in the, what we got, 48 hours, basically, in order to get a deal done. So I don't think it's going very well. And yet, the more you think about it, they started negotiating essentially at the bye week in November. We're nine months later. 
They haven't made much progress for the first eight months and like 28 days. How optimistic should should I be, or how should you be, that all of a sudden in the last two days they're going to bridge that gap that obviously exists? It's a tough thing. And once again, listen, there, it's, for Giant fans who love Saquon Barkley, it's very simple. Pay him. For Joe Shane of the Giants and Brian Dable, it's a little different. It's, okay, we want to pay him. He's an asset to us. There's no question about it. We kind of want to get this done. We gave him an offer earlier. He turned it down. And it's because the guaranteed money. They don't have a lot of wiggle room financially. They're trying to move this team forward. So for the, And they didn't draft him, so there's no allegiance to him. Where some, you know, it's a GM, well, you know, it's my guy. I drafted him. I want to see him. I want him to hang around. I want to pay him. I want to prove that I made the right pick. There's all different reasons why you do things like this. But for the Giants, it's all right. we need to move forward. We have to move forward. We have to get better. We have other needs that we have on this team to get to where we need to go. And make no mistake, this Giants team fooled a lot of people. They surprised a lot of people with their performance last year. And I know many don't think so, but I think this Giants team is good enough to make a postseason run here. I think they are. So how do they keep marching forward with Saquon Barkley, a running back, whom, hate to do this to you, Jose, analytics will tell you in the NFL that as you get towards 30, the the, the production is going to decrease. You'll be able to get another running back or two who where one of them may not match the production that you got from Saquon Barkley, but maybe you do in this era of the NFL where it's running back by committee with the exception of Derrick Henry. It's running back by committee, and so we can get two guys to equal. We can get a guy that likes to run it outside, who's got great speed, and we got a guy who's got great hands who can catch the ball and who can go up the middle, little, little different running back, two different styles, two different styles of running back. It could be that way. And I'm paying. I'm paying less. I might pay less. I might pay less than the franchise tag for both combined. I might for a couple of years, not even just one year, for a couple of years. It's the guaranteed money. And I really think, to be honest, I would be surprised if Saquon is there early in training camp, but I do think he will not, I don't think he's going to sit out. I do think that the Giants will come to a, an agreement with him and here's the, here's the issue, though. I would say right now, give me the franchise tag. Let me come in. I play for you one year, and I move on and go somewhere else. But this is a guy who's had, a, who's had some injury issues. And when you do that, you take a major risk, especially at the running back position. You take a major risk of rolling the dice like that and getting an injury and losing your money. 
1-800-919-3776. We'll come back. We'll take your phone calls. We'll talk Giants. We'll talk Jets. We'll talk Mets, Yankees. We'll talk about a bunch of stuff next on 98.7 ESPN.